And great Saturday morning, Low Country. Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Business. Heard here on 94.3 WSC and simulcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, and Spotify. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Cox. Welcome you to another great edition this morning of Beyond the Business. Stories you know, people you don't. Presented by the College of Charleston School of Business and Coastal Wealth Management. What a Saturday morning, Leslie. God, is a mouthful. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? How is, uh, how's 50 feeling? I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. So let's move on. Happy, Happy Saturday. Birthday. Yes, yes, yes. And thank you, Low Country, for sharing your Saturday mornings with us. And make sure and follow the follow us uh, beyond Saturday mornings on our Facebook page, Beyond the Business, and on Twitter, BTBCHS. See, that was a lot for you to say as well. I know. It's what. a lot. The intros are getting longer and longer. Next thing you know, our whole show will be nothing but an intro. <laughs> what is wrong with us? I think the summer and the heat's getting to us a little bit, Leslie. So That's right. Warm up around here. So how's life in your world? West Ashley is doing fine. Yes, we're good. We're good. We're good over here in West Ashley. How about you? We're doing great. We're excited again to have our guests come back. I, I thought there for a minute, I might have ran her off, but Fair Caggiano, who's an artist and philanthropist, is online with us again. So Fair, first of all, welcome back and thank you for rejoining us this Saturday. Well, thank you for having me again. <laughs> yeah, what a great story last week. I mean, just true um, twists and turns of life. It was kind of a cliffhanger, so I'm excited to hear about certainly where, where everything ended up from, from last week. But Leslie, what was a major takeaway that you had? Well, I thought that it was so interesting how, you know, fair, like, like entrepreneurs uh, that we have, a lot of times their passions just constantly lead them back to wh what they were supposed to be doing. It's, it's kind of hard to get away from. And your story was no different. No matter where you turned, you thought you needed financial security. You thought you needed security in a marriage and you moved here and there. But art always brought you back to that happy place, to that passion. That's where you found yourself. And fortunately, you were able to make a living at the thing that you were so passionate about. So that's a, that's a true blessing. Um, that was very, very interesting. And I can't wait to hear how the rest of that story unfolds. Eric, what, what, what was the takeaway from last week? I probably won't give it justice, but just walking away with the thought of, of kind of the same uh, detail you mentioned, but pursuing your passion, right? And you know, there's so many people in the world who are at a job, who work, who go home, dread going back, and they don't really live life to the fullest and you mentioned something uh, in regards to fair. I think you said life should be about pursuing your happiness. Yes. And being able to really take your a passion of yours and make that a profession, and and get to be able to do both at the same time is a is a blessing. But I think there's so many people who who aren't getting to do that. And so I hopefully you'll spend more time talking about today how you get to do that because one thing I took away from your show was that doesn't come at a cheap cost like you've been through a lot of pain and trials and tribulations so that you could use your passion to be your profession and so it doesn't just come at a cheap price and so i took away it's great but there is a price to get there to do it oh absolutely it's not a you know i'd say it's not an easy path but uh it just unfolds where you won't you don't see it coming but then the doors just open when you're doing it right and I'll even put it like I was struggling on the thought of the financial part of art. So I had a lot of, you know, uh, what am I going to sell? How much am I going to sell those products for? What do I need to actually have a steady income? 
And I took the longest time like struggling with that thought. And then eventually um, I had like a kind of like a study with my younger sister because she does coaching and she is like, I mean, like she's top at what she does. And she was telling me like, you're looking at it wrong. You're looking at, you know, the finances instead of looking at what is your mission. So I was like, well, yeah, I think my mission is really like using the art as a voice to promote change for the greater good. And she was like, see, it's clear. You know exactly what it is. So, you know, work on that and everything else happens. And the minute I shifted that in my brain, I was like, yeah, I'm doing this for my vision. I'm doing this for the mission. And then suddenly things just started happening from like, I had this large project that I put together in two years. It's called Like a Girl Dare to Dream. Uh, it was at the City Gallery downtown. And I basically put all my savings, everything I had to make this project happen because during the pandemic, I just couldn't find a single sponsor. But I believed in the vision and I was like, I don't know how this is going to work, but it did. It magically happened. I got the, you know, the exhibition and the location where I wanted it to be and being a foreigner, being new in town and all of that and being a woman as well. The fact that they took my application and I was invited, you know, like when I read um, the city of Charleston cultural affairs presents, I was in tears. I was like such a huge accomplishment. And, you know, the exhibition was there. I had people coming through and they were so touched. I had like all sorts of amazing stories and to the point where someone walked to me and she gave me a check to help with the expenses I put together. So I get home and I tell my husband and he is an engineer, PhD. He's got, you know, the nine to five job. He's kind of, you know, the person that does planning like as anyone else does. He looked at me with the eyes of how does that happen? He doesn't yeah. understand why someone would give me a check. And I say like, that's my world. That's where I live. I live in a world where I'm, I'm selling an emotion, I'm selling change, I'm selling uh, happiness. So the fact that I put the effort and I had no expectations of, you know, how I would pay for all the investments that I made and someone comes to me and gives me a check to pay for, you know, some of the money I put down. It's just like, for me, that, that, that comes naturally. I go like, yes, that's the universe I like to be. That's the universe where, you know, like people spread their, you know, uh, generosity. So, so let's let's go back and and let's tell people how did you come to Charleston? Let's how does that story unfold? What what brought no. you here to the, our our wonderful city? <laughs> That's going. It's actually another funny story because uh, I was a single mom, and there I am in São Paulo with my baby, and I'm stuck in the house doing nothing. You know, like besides, you know, taking care of, of a baby and trying to work. So no social life of any sort. And I decided to download Tinder. <laughs> Tinder, okay. Yeah. Oh. Like just scrolling, looking, oh yeah, okay, whatever. And then I see like this American and he says he's a single parent. So I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting. So I actually, you know, swiped and it was at the match. <laughs> Little I know later that his friends in Brazil installed the app and they would go through the app. 
So it was it wasn't even him doing the match. And the <laughs> fact that I sent a message in English, he was like, Oh, someone speaks English here. <laughs> so it started a conversation. <laughs> so yeah, another another one of those things that life just wanted to happen. So uh we had the first uh encounter. Kawe was my son was six months old. He came to my house for lunch. There I'm thinking like I'm crazy inviting a stranger to my house, and he thinks he's crazy going to a you know, a stranger's home in Brazil because he was there for a business trip. And so we had a conversation, was nice, but that was it. You know, like a few months later, he comes back for another business trip. We try to organize dinner. Doesn't quite happen because it's pouring down. My babysitter can't make it. So he comes again to my house and we're hanging out with the baby, just, you know, chatting and he leaves. And I tell him, sorry, you know, you're a very nice guy, but I'm not interested. <sighs> and that lasted three years. We kept a friendship, changing, exchanging messages on WhatsApp. And I came to the U.S. a couple of times for business trips. I have a cousin in, in Kansas and she would sponsor my trips because she really believed in my, in my career as an artist. So I would fly to New York with my baby, put together a show, then fly to Kansas and pay her back with work. And so first time I went and he was kind of sad because I never said anything. Second time, he sends me a message a couple of days before. And I say, yes, uh, I'm coming to the States in a couple of days. Any chance you'll be in New York? He, he flew there. <gasps> he he the flew there. Flew oh, there. my gosh. And then, you know, the next week, and nothing happened again, because I'm thinking, you know, we're just friends. And then the next week's Hurricane Matthew, he drives there with his daughter. <laughs> and I was like, well, this guy's committed. So, yeah, I ended up moving here, married the, <laughs> the engineer. You know, someone that has a little bit more uh, planning than I do. So it kind of like balances out each other. So, yeah, I'm just here for <laughs> for that. <laughs> I'll tell you, listen to your stories. I, I feel like my life's fairly boring. Uh, <laughs> I'm just too much on the straightened path here, Ferris. So, uh, I, I know. We, 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 we might need to swipe right more often like <laughs> in life, right? I was, I was exactly. not expecting that turn. In though, life. <laughs> So, so as an artist, um, you know, it's, it's a different kind of business than a lot of our entrepreneurs that come on the show, right? Um, first of all, you don't have traditional brick and mortar. And what you just talked about describing uh, what happened at that event that you put together here in Charleston, it's, it's you know, creating something, not having an expectation, and then having somebody come up to you and say, I value and see your emotion in all of this work, right? And so... Share that kind of thought process with maybe some of our listeners who are artists or who are thinking about going down that pathway. Like, Where does that inspiration come from? Obviously, it's not instant gratification in the world that you live in. Um, how as an artist do you handle all that emotional kind of ups and downs? Oh, well, handling the emotional part is, is uh, a job on itself. It's not easy. Uh, you just really have to, like in that part, you have to hope that your work is just going to come out as you intended to or how it's meant to come out, you know? So uh, the emotional part is something that everyone has a hard time dealing with. But I would say that ju not just as an artist, but anyone who is pursuing an uh, entrepreneur career with, based on something they believe in, because I, I think most people that decide to run a business, uh, they decide to do that because they have something they're passionate about. 
you do it with love, you do it with passion, and the doors will open. But it's still, you have to have some sort of planning. And that's where my planning was to have like multiple sources of income. So I have a rental property in Brazil. The exchange rate is horrible. So it's kind of like pointless bringing the money here, but I have a safety net over there. And then I have my business as, you know, the products. And then I can truly put my heart into creating projects that I believe and they're really uh, just, you know, for the vision and the mission because I have a supportive system. So it, it's for those of us who are not artistic whatsoever and who are not in the world, can you tell us a little bit about the scene and maybe some resources here in Charleston? What is that like? Like, where do you where do you go for um, for help or what's the community like the artist community here in Charleston? Oh, it's funny because I have a lot of uh, new artists moving to, ta- to town. They actually reach out to me asking about those things. Yes. So when you first move to a town and you want to get involved in the artist community, you join the Artist Guild. So we okay. have an Artist Guild in Charleston. We have an Artist Guild in Mount Pleasant. And that's where you start networking with the other artists in town. Um, I joined both of the guilds when I first moved here and I even ended up being part owner at a gallery downtown because I met some artists and I was invited. At first, I was a guest artist at the gallery and then they they thought that I had the business mindset. So they invited me to be part owner. And so that's where you start your networking. After you meet, you know, the people in the same art scene, Charleston is actually a very uh, active art town. We're becoming one of the destinations in the country. So there is like plenty of galleries of all sorts of different, uh, you know, range of value, range of uh, subjects and styles. So there's a lot of art happening in Charleston. So there's room for anyone. (laughs) And so when you think about your business and the vision of the future, give us an idea where you see this going in regards to your, your pathway. Well, my pathway, because I I decided to focus on a message, I really hope I come across large sponsors. So, for instance, like after I put together like a girl there to dream, people kept asking me, what's next? And I say, like, I can't go broke again, putting all my <laughs> investments in one project because I believed in the mission. Now, you know, like if you want me to keep doing that, bring me sponsors so I can, you know, take it to the next level. But of course, I already have... Uh, a few other ideas of big projects that I want to work with. And um, it's just going to be a matter of finding the right people to um, partner with. And then I can continue doing the mission. So <laughs> let's take a moment real quick. If anybody is listening that would like to talk about that sponsorship opportunity, how would yes. they get in touch with you? Oh, they can reach out uh, email or, or phone. Uh, the email is CEO, because I am the chief executive officer in my business, CEO at fircajana.com. Um, or you my have phone. To spell that one for us. Yes. <laughs> F E R C A G G I A N O.com. Okay. And my number, I'm happy to take a call. It's 843 743 1436. So, yeah, sponsor. And, um, <laughs> Philanthropy is also a huge part of your your life and your passion. Tell us a little bit about what you do and what you believe in. 
Okay, two subjects that I'm constantly working with are equality and sustainability. So I have a project that I am always uh, supporting, which is reforestation. Um, there is this project in Brazil that is specifically uh, for an area near Sao Paulo that needed to be replanted. So I, I give them a lot, especially from my rental property in Brazil. And whenever people shop on my website, I plant a tree with this system called Ecology. And then I want to do, you know, for, um, no, it's Ecology, yes. And for equality, I am doing like projects like, like a girl and that is about putting, you know, women um, on the spotlight on how, you know, we have uh, still have to work on equal pay for the same positions. And, you know, there's a lot still to be done in that scenario. So those are things I, I'm constantly supporting. I give stuff for fundraisers all the time. Any, any way that it comes in my path, I usually embrace it. <laughs> So when you look back over your life fair and you think about the twists and turns and ups and downs and challenges and everything that you've been through, now that you have the, 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 the ability to look back and see it, what advice would you give to our listeners? Maybe that are younger, they're starting out in their careers, they're trying to pursue the dream, um, you know, starry-eyed, ready to go. What advice would you give them? <laughs> I would say it's there is one story that I really like, and I think people don't pay attention to um, the goal, what you want to do in life. And I think that story sums up really well. It's about this guy that comes to a uh, fisherman town, and he sees this fisherman, and he goes like, wow, you do amazing at what you're doing. You should build a business, you know? And, and then the guy's like, why? And say like, because then you're going to grow like a big industry, and you're going to have an amazing company. And the, the guy keeps going like, why? And say, because then one day you can retire, live at the beach, and enjoy your family. And he's, I'm already doing that. <laughs> so sometimes people forget what is the end goal? what you want to do. So if your goal is to spend time with your family, you should focus on how to make that happen. If your goal is to be a millionaire, some people just want to have money, then focus on that. But don't forget what is your goal. If you don't have, you know, a focus on where you want to be, you lose track in the path. So have a, have a vision. Is there, who do you turn to for advice on your business decisions? Is there someone that you go to for counsel? How, how do you make these sort of decisions hmm. from an I entrepreneurial standpoint? <laughs> do you, is the husband, a, I mean, sometimes. Oh, <laughs> sometimes yeah. He, he's the person that I trust on helping me with spreadsheets, but he's not <laughs> the person I trust when it comes to advice on my business, because he doesn't see the same way I do. Oh yeah, no, he's, he's, he introduced me to pivot tables and that was <laughs> life-changing. Like I'm, I'm not an Excel person, so that really helped me. But uh, there's something I was talking to, to Connor this week and I said, listen, uh, when, you have, when you have a vision, you want to do something, you ask people that have done it, not people that like your family or your friends, because they haven't done it and they want the best for you, but they will tell you that it's not doable. But they have no experience in it. They have no say on that because they have not lived it. So if you want to get somewhere, 
get advice from people who have done it. So I listen to podcasts. I listen to, you know, like all sorts of teachings. I do uh, classes that are focused on something like a skill that I want to learn. But right now I don't have a person that I, I ask to. I, I need to find my circle of, you know, the important people that I can refer to when needed. Don't have that yet. <laughs> So if you look back over your life and you think about the, the again, the, the, the moments that were defining, is there a moment that you look back now that you would tell your kind of 21 year old self, hey, if we had the chance, I'd do that one a little bit different? No. And I have I have heard I was in a room before uh, as soon as I moved here and I had this like people asking each other, what would you change in your life if you had gone on the past and changed something? And I was like, and they're all going on about, you know, something they would have done differently and all of this. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, nothing, nothing. Everything that I did brought me to where I am today, including the failures. They taught me something. I learned from all of that. If I had not gone through the struggles I have been through, if I had not done all the madness that I <laughs> that I did, I would not be here. So it all got me to where I should be. I'm a life without regret. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. Hey, maybe that's the next project. <laughs> Life without regret. Life without regret. Is there any misconceptions about the art world that you might want to dispel for people who are yes. just getting into it? I have something that uh, is the one thing that bothered me tremendously. People believe artists should be starving. They say, artists, well, you know, your work will be valuable after you're dead. And, you know, like people come and say like, oh, but you love what you do. So it's, you're not really working. Why should you charge for that? And I'm like, this is such a bad uh, idea. And it's imprinted in society. I had a client actually coming to me and saying like, uh, I said, like I had been struggling during the, you know, putting the project together. And I was so happy she bought something. I was like, oh, that really saved my month. And she was like, Oh, but you know, you're the starving artist. That's how it should be. And I was like, I looked at her. I was, I was seriously mad. I say like, no, <laughs> no, that's not how it should be. We should be recognized for all we're doing. Like if you look around yourself, like you're surrounded by art and you don't appreciate it. You have music, it's art. You have books, it's art. You have colors around you, it's art. If you take everything away, your life is boring. I'm sorry to say that, but there's like no emotions around you. There's like no, uh, you know, you should value that. So when you see an artist and you go like, you try to talk them down on putting their price lower and all of this. Oh, but you know, like you, you, it just only took you a few minutes to put this together. No, it's my life. It's my career. And I put everything I have on it and I should be paid accordingly. So yes, that's it. <laughs> and are you, we're about to wind out of time, but I do want to ask a quick question about the the, the recent NFT crypto art sale. Um, how familiar are you with? <laughs> what do you think about that as an artist? Um, curious. Well, yes. Opinion in it's, that it's funny because like I had never heard about it until someone came uh, to the exhibition. And this guy he was telling me that I should look into it, so I I started looking into it. And I'll say, like, I was surprised uh, for a couple of things. First, you know, when you buy something, 
like you buy a piece of art and I sell prints of my art, but no one will ever have the original besides the one person. Everything else is a copy. Mm-hmm. When you look at, uh, what, what is it spell again? NFT, what, is it that right? Uh, it's the original is no different from the copies. The person buys the concept of owning an original when it's still allowed to be distributed. So there's no difference. It's only an idea. So they're paying for an idea and a concept, you know, which is different when you have physical art, which I don't know, like it's a big thing. And um, they just want maybe the reputation of, you know, that comes with being the person who supported that art or whatever. So I can still appreciate that. But I'll, I'll say that I find it very confusing. <laughs> and when I looked into that, it also has like apparently a very uh, a very strong environmental uh, problem, which I wasn't aware either. But apparently, like the servers are very uh, inefficient with energy for that for a reason. It, it, and it, then it goes into cryptocurrency and all that kind of stuff. So it gets into a whole new conversation. But back to that, like. I don't understand it. Uh, why someone would pay for that? Well, it certainly brought a new word to the, the, the starving artist world. As Beeple sold his for what sixty-nine million dollars, so crazy, unbelievable. Yep. So, well, unfortunately, we are out of time today. But fair, we really appreciate your story. What an intriguing journey you've been on. Continue the great work. Best of luck to you in the future, and hopefully, you'll uh, be able to get a few sponsors from this show today. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me. So <laughs> it's been great. Again, Fair Caggiano, artist and philanthropist here in Charleston. Thanks for your time and your story here on Beyond the Business, presented by the College of Charleston School of Business and Coastal Wealth Management. And until next Saturday morning, Low Country, have a blessed week.